Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Splash Play. If you're watching this for the first time on my channel, this is a fantasy football podcast. Yes, you heard that right. Not a top shot, not an NFT, a fantasy football podcast. I do with my pal, Chris Spaggs. And today, Chris, we're simulcasting and we're talking NFL free agency. I'm excited to be on this channel here in the bright lights away from the basements we've been locked in on the on the Splash Play YouTube channel. But honestly, Pete, I just want to talk some top shots. So let's hit the intro and then fuck it. Who needs to talk about free agency? Let's talk <laughs> top shots. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to this free agency edition of Splash Play where we're coming off of a little bit over a week off for Pete to recalibrate as you guys know on his YouTube channel. And I'm honestly just degenning even harder on the things that we all know and love. But first of all, hit the like button now whether you're watching on Pete's YouTube channel or on our Splash Play channel. And of course, subscribe to both of those because it's going to be helpful for you to get all the content that Pete's putting out as well as that we're putting out here on Splash Play at least one episode a week during the offseason. Pete, we got to talk about your your vacation up front here and what you did, what I did during the time off, because I have to tell you, Pete, I'm already tilted about this top shot pack. I saw you tweeting your snarky things and <laughs> I didn't get one. And seemingly everybody else I know, friends in real life and everybody at Osmo got one. So I am deeply hurt. Wow. So it was Osmo today who was getting all the influencer packs. I don't know. It was everybody in our premium Slack. So just average Joe's average working class DFS players <laughs> and like legit, I think 20 people in there got a pack today. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I, I was 199,000. I didn't think I could be possibly further away. Yeah. I just want to real quick, just point out. Um, I, like I said, we are uh, simulcasting on our channel. I could have literally have labeled this show top shot pack drop reaction stream. And we'd have 500 fucking concurrent viewers right now. Like, no joke. It's not even a joke. I say NFL free agency, and we have 10 viewers right now. People are sick, Spags. I realize I'm part of the problem, but people are sick. Look, I get it as much as anybody, you know, working in DFS, has, spending as much time online with uh, DFS players and sports betters, and now the top shots, NFTs, it all blends together. Stock tips, guys, like your old pal, Chris Randone. I, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's all pal, about yeah. <laughs> your, your best friend, Chris, really. Um, I just feel like it's one of those things that all blurs together now, and your channel really more than any, I feel like, was early to that trend where uh, you were just doing whatever interests you, and now that's sort of what this gambling DFS space is. is just, yeah, you want to buy $50,000 art pieces of some like eight eight bit illustration of something i don't even know what those crypto punks are but it's just it's insane that this is going on yeah and i i talked about it a little bit with brian on lulz on wednesday but i had seen an awesome tweet where he was kind of asking people like where is their excitement level as far as top shot versus dfs and a lot of the responses were from you know average casual dfs players who were like DFS is too hard. Like I can't win at DFS with regularity. Top shot feels like this thing where I'm getting in early, you know, my moments, my market uh, account value is going up. And I thought that was a really interesting thing of kind of hinting at this boom. One, it's new and fun in this emerging market. But on the other hand, for people putting up their money, they're like, I feel like I have a better chance to make money doing this than playing DFS. Yeah, and, and it sucks. Like I've actually changed up some of my DFS stuff where this week I'm actually doing the the big tournaments on FanDuel and max entering them because they're a little bit cheaper than the DraftKings ones where I don't want to pay for a 150 max $20 tournament while doing shows and having to you know, try to maintain some degree of sanity. But on FanDuel, if you spend $500, $700, I think you're getting a little more bang for your buck. So 
I kind of, I get it. And I think with Top Shot too, right? It's proven to be that you're not going to fail. If you get a single pack, if you get a $9 pack, if you get a $200 pack, like it's going to inherently be worth than whatever you paid for it. I know I got the other, uh, whatever one came out earlier this week. I had an Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins and a Kawhi Leonard. And even that was like a 10x value return on it. And it wasn't anything impressive, all low pack draws, but I get it. I think it's fun too, just getting a pack or not getting a pack. But I saw on your Twitter though, a lot of people don't get it or don't get like why they're not getting one and the randomness of it. And I think as DFS players or sports betters, that's what you're used to. That's what every single day is. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like play, play 500 DFS slates and you will quickly understand how variance works. Like you could go ask a brick 75 or an awesome. some of the most successful players about the longest droughts they've had or how many tournament slates they can brick in a row. Uh, no pun intended there, but it's, it's, uh, it's everything with that. And so I think, you know, that's why the other thing I've been thinking about too, and why top shot has been fun. Like in both these like new NFTs, there's all these projects coming up or take a DFS slate or, you know, the guys who are specialists and they play the second half slates or the showdown flash slates or whatever, like being a specialist is, is how you make money knowing a ton about one thing. I'm definitely a, uh, a generalist. I'm a dilettante, you know, by choice because I like bouncing around. I like making jokes about a lot of things, having my hands in a lot of pies, but it also makes me, I'm never going to be the best at one of these things. And I think top shot is easy for people because you don't have to know a ton. Like you can participate in it from a very kind of outside view and still have fun with it. Whereas like now, like me going to play a random NBA slate, I mean, I feel like I would need to clear out 12 hours to prepare for one slate just to even have a chance to break even. (laughs) Yeah. With all the swapping that goes on in NBA too, it's basically an injury, an injury sport is going to create your, your value in those games. And yeah, I mean, for me, I do shows now I'm doing an earlier show. So I do a show at 1 PM Pacific time, then do a show at 6 30 PM Pacific time. So I get to just bathe in the NBA for, for seven, eight hours at a stretch. there, both gambling and doing content. And it's definitely been a wild season, but I think top shot, you know, anything where people can make money and feel mostly safe. And then really the big disappointment is not that, Oh, I spent $500 on a pack and it's going to be worth $1, which is what my initial fear was about getting in stupidly. I think in hindsight, if I had done even five seconds more research, but I think now it's, it's just nice to see people engaged and really the big loss is like, Oh cool. I can't spend $10 on this thing. That's going to be worth at least 50. Yeah. Yeah. It does the, I mean, it is, I feel like it, maybe I'm a little biased. Uh, the, the deposit kingdom discord, I feel like everyone's mellowed out a little bit. We are starting to all come around and understanding probabilities, enjoying the highs and uh, realizing the lows just mean, Hey, there's another pack drop next week, but let's not, let's not get bogged down in top shot. Talk too much here. No, we got to get back to the NFL. And I guess one news item we want to talk about, we're going to go through basically every NFL free agency move that matters. Um, I think there's going to be a lot that don't really seem that important when you see the news blurb pop on your ESPN alerts or whatever app, your fantasy life app alerts, whatever you may be doing. Um, but I think there are a couple out there that are going to be more interesting than they may seem. But first off, Pete, I feel like you might have missed this amidst all the news that's going on, all the top shot pack drops. But the NFL signed an 11-year deal worth $100 billion, which I think is something that we have to mention up top here is a fantasy football show. They do have uh, now better Monday night football games coming up. Amazon's Thursday games are now exclusive to them. So there's no Fox tie in at all. And I guess overall, Pete, is there any thoughts in this 
I don't know, like it doesn't matter for fantasy, but it feels like it kind of does because it opens up more salary cap room for these teams to spend stupidly more often than not. And I think overall, you know, good sign for the NFL that even in a pandemic situation, even with uh, some of the interest perhaps waning in terms of how the media is covering it with the Clay Travis's of the world pointing out, you know, whatever they have about losing fandom. I feel like that much money. I mean, that's the biggest media rights deal in history. Like it can't be anything remotely bad for the NFL right now. No. And I mean, it is another good reminder. Like at least I think, you know, learning uh, through Top Shot, as I say, I don't want to talk about Top Shot anymore. Like their global market, like NBA is so much more global, but in America, the NFL will forever still be king. And I think come fall, like they, they are the monolith, like they bulldoze over everything can get all eyeballs and uh, yeah, and it also comes uh, along the news that they are interested in doing the NFT projects. It sounds like they're uh, in talks already, I assume, with Dapper. Um, so once the NFL cashes in on this, I mean, when you talk about that addressable market in the United States, there's the reason those TV providers are willing to pony up that kind of bucks um, to get the rights. And yeah, I, I don't see the NFL slowing down anytime soon. So with that in mind, it's free agency review time. So again, guys, hit that like button. It helps Pete out on his channel, helps us out on the Splash Play channel, really support them as much as you can. And we're going to be doing a little bit of simulcast. I don't know if we're going to do more on just Pete's channel too, but gearing up as we do a lot of silly things in the off season. I think Pete, we also have to pick our next episode coming up. And yeah. I did find a YouTube channel with Playmakers content on it, which I'm just going to throw out there now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, why, and yeah, we need to figure out if uh, we're going to get like takedown notices uh, for that. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, we have to small screen. I think if we showed any clips from it, but for the most part, like we're not going to be running it. We were just linked to another YouTube channel that has the episodes up. What if we did, what if we did like a, a poll on our Twitter where you and me kind of think about three or four of the show ideas we kind of drafted that we'd be interested in and then, uh, and then get the, the viewers take on what they'd like to see us do. I know the people were clamoring for the power hour already, but yeah, I guess that's, that seems like a good plan. We're a democratic show. So yeah, watch out for that tweet and we'll, we'll put out our ideas for, I guess what the next episode could be free agency. This is the first one up. And I think there's really no particular order though. I tried to go a little more star focused and also tried to put the pats a little bit further down. Cause I feel like we've heard enough about, Oh, Patriots, big spending bill Belichick, jealous <laughs> of Tom Brady, whatever. We'll talk <laughs> about it, but I'm burying it for just my sanity. The first one up here, Alan Robinson signing the bears franchise tender and Pete, this is one I feel like we got to kind of speed around these, but I'm shocked that this is the case with the Bears that he's been so publicly unhappy for so long. And granted, you know, when you have a gunslinger like Andy Dalton coming in, that's going to cover up a lot of the warts and issues that he had with the franchise. But I really thought this was the one guy that was a shoe in to not go back to his team. And I guess you got to take the money. I mean, it's a franchise tender, which means that he's getting paid basically the average of the top five salaries at wide receiver. But um, I feel like for Allen Robinson, fine deal, but he's like a tortured artist. I think that's going to be trapped in this, this box of his with the bears that it's never going to be the upside that I think he's capable of. It honestly feels like he was on an episode of, uh, what was the Ashton Kutcher, the prank show where they're like, Hey, we're going to franchise tag you. And then guess what? Wait for it. Wait for it. Then Andy Dalton jumps out of a box and goes, there's a camera there. There's a camera there. And Alan Robinson is like, what the hell is going on? It is so cruel. It's honestly so cruel. We were debating with Pat, like, who is the worst quarterback he's or the best quarterback he's ever had? And like, is it Blake Bortles? I mean, I, I think it's Nick Foles, but like, that's how bad it is. Like you can't even come up with the best quarterback he's played with.
Yeah, I think it's probably Nick Foles just in terms of having won a championship, but uh, clearly Nick Foles not that guy anymore. But yeah, I, I would like to see better things for Allen Robinson, but he's happy he's getting paid. You know, maybe there are good things coming with the Bears and the Andy Dalton era. And, uh, and we'll talk more about the Bears coming up. But Chris Godwin, another guy who signed the Bucks franchise tender. And this one, I feel like just made sense. I didn't want to see him go somewhere else. I feel like you have Tom Brady there. You've been in the Bucks organization for a while. They brought him up. They really brought him from a, a nobody to a guy who's now a name player in the league. I think that was the most logical move for him, unless he was going to get a gigantic payday elsewhere. Yeah, Chris Godwin seems almost uh, aggressively uncontroversial. It's just like everyone agrees he's a good player. He saw it. If he would have hit the free agency market, there would have been tons of teams clamoring to get him where he could slide in and be their number one wide receiver. And then, you know, for him, I wonder if he... I haven't read enough interviews with him. Like if he has kind of like, I want to go be an alpha somewhere or if he's just like, Hey, we won a super bowl. I'm perfectly content, you know, splitting targets with Gronk and Mike Evans and all this and continuing to win. It sounds like he's probably pretty content with his situation. Yeah. At least for one more year, you see how it goes. Maybe there is the chance as people have feared that Brady breaks down at some point as the aging QBs tend to do just at some point it has to end. Uh, but going back for one year, getting paid well, I think that's a good move for him. This is not a superstar one, but I think it's interesting because the Lions have no other receivers. Now, Brashad Perriman is going there. His dad's old team, too, so a little bit of synergy there. And they also got Jamal Williams. And I guess, Pete, these are the kind of signings that, to me, a team makes to stay 7-9, and 8-8 forever. And I don't know what the Lions are doing this year, but with Goff and Perriman, it's not the best pairing. Goff's one thing that really holds him back as a QB is last year in particular, terrified to throw the deep ball. Perriman's biggest upside is when you're just airing him out recklessly like Jameis did a couple of years back, or even when he was a Browns uh, player and had... Baker Mayfield kind of chucking it up for him. But Pete, how does this make you feel about this Lions offense that admittedly uh, has some talent, but now, you know, what talent is going to be good enough to actually play and make a difference? I mean, the thing that is awful about this, it's like we've, we've all watched the Aaron Jones movie before, which is incredibly talented running back that never gets the full workload to really enter the fantasy like RB1 uber back stratosphere and now i feel like we're gonna watch that same movie play out with deandre swift super talented guy we were all chomping at the bit for him to get more work as a rookie we finally see flashes of it then he's dealing with concussion stuff they're still giving all these carries to these other guys and now i just see jamal williams there the veteran presence that the exact kind of guy that the matt patricia types just drool over and the fact that he plays the position with the most valuable touches in fantasy is pass catching back is very discouraging to me for DeAndre Swift. And then on the flip side in, uh, in green Bay, it's very exciting for Aaron Jones. They re-sign him. They let Jamal Williams walk. I think obviously he's going to lose some work to, to, um, AJ Dillon as the power back, but Aaron Jones is going to be the primary pass catcher there now, which is huge for him. And, uh, but yeah, I I'm bummed out for Swift on this one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's one that, you know, Adrian Peterson took a lot away, but Jamal Williams, as Pete mentioned, just taking away some of those passing routes is not great. And um, yeah, I think the signing is just one that seems like you do as the Lions just be like, hey, look, we're active in free agency. We did something. We we showed up. We were a part of it. And uh, I don't know that it's the best. I would rather see Swift. I agree. Get all those carries and preparement, though. I'm intrigued by him being a wide receiver one again. Potentially, we'll see. They probably have to get somebody in the draft here, but complete turnover of the receivers for Detroit there. And I, let's talk real fast about Aaron Jones. Hang Real quick, the Go chat's Troy because I said the Pat Patricia types and uh, who is the new coach of uh, in uh, have they uh, hired Dan Campbell? 
Dan Campbell. Yeah, Dan yeah. Campbell. Same difference, guys. Same I wasn't difference. gonna correct you, but yeah, Dan Campbell's also a fucking idiot. He's <laughs> yeah. gonna do he's gonna do terrible things. And honestly, Pete, I don't blame you for not keeping up the coaching carousel this morning. I was actually brushing my teeth and like, who's the Jets coach? <laughs> I was just kind of staring in the mirror, wondering to myself, like, what are the, what's going on with the Jets? Why well, are they doing anything? <laughs> I should I should actually be better because we did pull up a photo of Dan Campbell on an episode of Splash Play once. Uh, and it was just like the Detroit Lions have their type. They have their meathead uh, coach type and they want to fill their quota there. So yes, he doesn't make me feel any better about DeAndre Swift's pass catching options. <laughs> and Robert Sala is the Jets coach, by the way. I did land on that. So don't no, no need to correct me in the chat too. But uh, yeah, coaching moves can be one of those things that take a second to set in as, as do team name changes like Washington is apparently doing again. Um, the Packers signing, re, uh, re-signing Aaron Jones. I feel like Pete, you mentioned that that's, that's a big one to me because I think that actually does mean Aaron Jones is in the hunt to be a, a top, five running back drafted this year with AJ Dillon taking some of the work. But as Pete mentioned, that's, you know, a different back than Jamal Williams, a guy who was the pass catcher who really did something different than Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones is ineffective, you're still going to see AJ Dillon get that run. But Pete, I feel like this is the only move the Packers made. So we just have to talk about it. And the Packers love not doing anything to make their team remotely better. But re-signing Aaron Jones was, I guess, the one move they had to make. And maybe now they just don't want to spend any more money. Yeah, I mean, based on how he's getting paid, he's getting paid like one of those Uber uh, workhorse backs that we want. And I think the thing about Aaron Jones is no one has ever questioned his talent, right? Like, I've never heard anyone be like, well, maybe Aaron Jones isn't good. Even the running backs don't matter, guys. Analytics Twitter, I saw Josh Hermsmeyer the other day tweeting like, we need to admit that Aaron Jones is different. And that's coming from one of the most, you know, agnostic running back guys out there. So uh, I'm really excited about this. I mean, I think ideally he keeps around a similar rushing workload that he's had, but you get him uh, a little bit more goal line work and then he gets all the passing work. Like that's all we need. He just needs to be in that Alvin Kamara type uh, role where he's catching seven, eight balls a game. And then man, we're really cooking with his efficiency. Yeah. And him and Devonte Adams still going to clearly be the main guys doing everything for that offense, barring some last minute moves here, last minute additions that materially changed that, but uh, definitely one fantasy team you could look to and you know where that production's going. So good moves for Aaron Jones, good moves for Devonte Adams, maybe not good moves for the Packers championship chances. Here's a move that I just didn't get. And actually a couple that I think pair together that did make the most sense. But you have Will Fuller going to Miami with Robert Foster, a guy who's kind of a non-factor, but people a couple of years ago may remember when he was actually good on the bills there were moments of hope for him being good for washington this year but didn't quite happen and in this spot we also have malcolm brown going there which i think could affect things for uh, the running back including is, is patrick laird still on the roster I actually don't know that okay first of all how dare you <laughs> yeah, i mean it's free agency sometimes these guys go and Here's you just don't thing. know even davis i haven't even replied to this text davis sent me a text when i was on my vacation he's like malcolm brown signing isn't good for Larry. i was like davis i mean malcolm brown is like a worse version of jordan howard and jordan howard didn't even see the field last year they don't even play the same position get out of here i'm not worried about malcolm brown and yes patrick laird is still on the team um I'm excited about the Will Fuller signing. I know we've had the conversation on here before and like the general public is much more down on Tua in his development. Uh, I think this is now the prove it scenario for Tua, right? Because you can't question the weapons he has around him. He has like all the pieces you'd want in an alpha and in Parker, uh, a lid lifter uh, like Fuller. Gusecki's awesome. So I I'm confident that we're going to see uh, Tua take the next step this year. I think I think the the hit I was writing about it this morning. I think the big hits are for Preston Williams and Mike Gesicki in their targets. But I think Will Fuller, again, the caveat as usual, if he stays healthy, 
I think he's going to be very effective in this offense. And I, I think he's going to have as many, dare I say, splash plays as we're kind of used to him having. He might not have the volume target role he had last year with Houston, um, but I think it's going to be very similar to what his workload was alongside DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not as sold. And I, I, am, I might be with the general public then if they do think that two is not good because I really wasn't impressed by anything there. And the main thing that I could look at and point to is that you just had a so much less effective Devontae Parker in games where two was starting compared to when Ryan Fitzpatrick was starting. And I think we're going to talk about Fitzpatrick next because I think he materially changes the team that he's going to. If two is the guy that we saw last year who I think was basically a slightly more mobile Jared Goff, which you know that's I know that sounds harsh for people out there, but that's sort of what I got from two of last year other than one or two outlier games and even then they weren't him you know throwing the ball deep downfield having big results it was just him getting lucky on guys breaking big plays I have really a lot of concern that Will Fuller is going to be marginalized in the offense and now you have another alpha receiver in Devontae Parker like if two is a different player if he's Justin Herbert this year then I think you know that's going to be good for these guys but that's a big assumption I think based on what we've seen so I'm a little more concerned I think Miami might have these guys but then just end up barely using them and then especially the first couple weeks of the season I feel like it's gonna be trap city if you're going to Will Fuller and then Devontae Parker goes off or vice versa yeah I do think um I I uh, yeah, I think w the things that make me a little bullish is last year towards the end of the season, they were trending very pass heavy. They were not a ground and pound team. Like they were airing it out 50 plus times a game there. And I think this pushes them in that, that pass happy direction more. And also, I guess, you know, the thing about Tua for me is honestly not like I've watched the, the game tape and whatever. It's just a sample size thing. He was a highly pedigreed quarterback, even with wide receivers. A lot of the data shows like we don't have enough information in year one to always know how their career trajectory is going to look. And we look back at their college market share numbers to kind of get a better feel of what the potential is. And I'm just on Tua, half a season of playing NFL football. I'm just not uh, ready to write him off. So yeah, but like I said, the Will Fuller thing, there's, he has no weapons, um, excuses now, like it's, it's fair play. So this is the season to kind of put up or shut up for, for Tua. And I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think it's one of the spots where if he's if the Miami Dolphins offense is going high, you probably go low. If they're going low, I think maybe you could be a little more bullish on it. But that's going to be a bit of a market supply and demand thing that we'll see in the best ball drafts and all of that as the year goes on. Uh, let's talk Washington because I think Washington. So getting Ryan Fitzpatrick in instead of Alex Smith and and Taylor Heineke, I guess, will be competing for that job and maybe he'll win it. But he's a career backup for a reason. I think his moxie in the playoffs aside, I, you'd rather have Fitzpatrick out there. They also signed Curtis Samuel. I think the Fitzpatrick news to me this makes Terry McLaurin immediately a top 10 receiver, potentially assuming that Fitzpatrick can win the job because you know, he's going to air it out. You know, he's going to play the way that he's played in every single stop. And I think McLaurin really was held back by having that Haskins, Alex Smith, a uh, poo poo platter, Taylor Heineke too, not a big arm guy. I think Fitzpatrick here is a legitimate game changer. And for Washington, I, I feel like they're viable to win the East now. I mean, obviously they did this year, but um, you know, the Cowboys re-signed Dak. That's great. But having Fitzpatrick in, I think is a game changer in a way that people, People out there may not pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, if for fantasy, this is this is absolutely incredible. And I think a little under the radar, just because I haven't seen it talked about a ton, is I, the Curtis Samuel too. Like, adds another dimension to that offense now uh, with McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. You have Antonio Gibson in year two. Uh, Logan Thomas, who looked awesome last year, definitely won't see the amount of targets he probably got in previous years because I, I just don't think. 
of fits as a guy who loves to pepper the tight end with targets. But I think McLaurin is, is set up for a monster season. And yeah, I think this is going to be a super, super fun offense. They're in an easy division. And I mean, the questions with Fitz are like, you know, you're going to get some of his meltdown games, the multiple turnover games, you know, he's at risk for injury because he likes to take off and run a lot, but when he's healthy and when he's upright, I mean, this fantasy, uh, this team from a fantasy perspective is going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you have Antonio Gibson there still too. You have a lot of ways here for the Washington team to, to really put it down offensively. So yeah, I think to me, this is one of the fantasy offense I would want to buy in on, especially if you are getting them at a lower level though. If once people figure out that Ryan Fitzpatrick signed, maybe that changes things. But And if Taylor Heineke starts, all bets are out the window. But I think right now, uh, McLaurin takes a gigantic jump. And now is the time we have to talk about the Pats who signed it. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Johnu Smith, and Hunter Henry. Two big tight end acquisitions. They also brought back Cam Newton on a one-year deal that they can get out of pretty easily if they decide they want to go in a different direction. But Pete, I feel like this, well, part of the reason I buried this was they got all the headlines early. It's like, oh, Pats big spending. And you know the two tight end thing going back to the same shtick they've been doing over over and over again it just feels to me like a like it's like gallagher it's like gallagher going back at smashing watermelons or, or mike <laughs> mccarthy going back at smashing watermelons like it's we get it bill belichick he loved two tight ends but now he's spent so much money on these guys and i'm sure johnny smith will have decent games i'm sure hunter henry will have decent games but cam newton couldn't throw to anybody last year so i don't have that much faith pete and i i don't know if you feel differently here but i just feel like it's the pats just spending money stupidly and then these acquisitions i liked Aguilar last year i think john smith's a good player i think hunter henry's a good player but i just don't know they're going to be good for the pats because they just don't have enough of a qb especially to be good yeah to me it was like uh you know when people screenshot uh two minutes into a game and they show that they're winning a million dollars uh because they front loaded uh everyone on the slate that's what the pats did with free agency they're like let's give out hundreds of millions of dollars so we can say we won free agency for 14 minutes until the other signings came in um yeah, it's funny to me because the moves, I know people say like, oh, the Pats never spend like this, but the actual players they acquired is just so quintessential Patriots. They're like, let's get our two tight ends. We'll harken back to the Gronk Hernandez, two tight end set stays, you know, power football. This will be great. And then we're like, uh, we can't ever scout wide receivers. We've never had an explosive wide receiver on our team since fucking Randy Moss. So we'll get Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, who are just two guys that won't make mistakes and Bill Belichick won't get mad at them, but they will also never create yards after the catch or do anything dynamic. And it's just the most Patriots thing ever. I think the one thing that's good for Aguilar potentially here is that he is a guy who I think had a lot of his touchdowns last year for the Raiders on broken plays and or plays where he just, you know, the play got extended a little bit longer. Carr found him as he was finding little crevices in the defense that probably weren't there initially. So if you have Cam Newton being a little bit more mobile and being able to keep plays alive, I think Aguilar can at least be useful in the red zone situations. But Kendrick Bourne, I think there was a reason that he wasn't a major factor in that Niners offense that, you know, could have used another guy stepping up and being a major factor, though. QB play definitely didn't hurt uh didn't, didn't help much rather there uh but Johnu Smith Hunter Henry like uh, these guys are fine I just think Johnu Smith's best opportunity is going to be him rumbling down the field and um I guess Cam can maybe complete four yard passes to him and that'll be good but I just don't think this is a game-changing move for the Pats and you know I, I wouldn't shock me if they got back to the championship contention Pete but I just feel like this is the kind of thing where they're doing it just to be like hey we're, we're involved we're active we're trying and then it's just going to be these guys are all mediocre and slightly better than an Akeel Harry would have been and also worth pointing out too, the patch just drafted two tight ends last year and they were both terrible. 
Yeah. I just had an idea. I want to do a flash draft. We've signed, we did our free agency drafts. I want to, I want to do a draft for Patriots fantasy options for next year outside of the quarterback and running back. So the wide receivers and tight ends, um, who we think is going to be the best, who we would want the most on our squads. Uh, I'll give you the first pick. I would take, I would take John Smith as the first pick, but it's close with him and Aguilar. Okay. That's interesting. I think, I think I'll go Hunter Henry then. Okay. So, so we're leveraging against each other right away. And, and, and my <laughs> second option is different than yours, which is kind of illustrating why I wanted to do this exercise. So I assume you take Aguilar. Yeah, I would take Aguilar now. And I think I still prefer Jacoby Myers. Interesting. He's good. I think, I think they're going to pull from each other in a way that's not the yeah. best, but Myers running out of the slot was probably the only guy who had any sort of rapport with Cam. So I think that's logical. I just think Aguilar is going to get the touchdown work. That was the one thing Jacoby had a real issue with is just not getting touchdowns. And I think if we, I, I I'm sure the people in the chat can let me know where these guys are starting to settle in best ball drafts, but it seems like all four of the guys we mentioned are going to like be like eight through 11th round picks and all cannibalize each other and be worth like 12th <laughs> round picks by the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, Hunter Henry is going to get balls that John Smith would probably run for a touchdown with John Smith's going to get balls that Hunter Henry would catch. And then he's going to drop him. I feel like it's just going to be a, a bad mix of everything for the Pats, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't know. Um, their AFC East rivals though, actually a couple of interesting signings here. They got Keelan, Cole and Corey Davis. And I think we talked about Robert Sala earlier. And even though I couldn't remember him this morning, I do remember being really excited about him when they hired him and thinking that he's one of actually few really good hires that came out of this offseason. I think the spot shows what the Jets are doing here. They're just trying to add some veteran presences, guys who aren't going to totally screw up the team. And I feel like Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, not the most exciting players on paper, but, but guys who aren't going to drop balls, guys who can ease the pressure on Sam Darnold a little bit. And now this is kind of a quintessential short dink and dunk team for whoever's going to be a QB for the Jets, where you have Jamison Crowder, you have Corey Davis, you have Keelan Cole. I, I think it's not a bad mix as long as you have a QB who's going to be accurate in those short throws. They still have Rashad Perriman too, right? No, Perriman, went to, we talked about him. He went to the Lions. Oh, my bad. I And Marvin Jones went to the Jags. Sorry, I'm getting yeah, all my music. It's coming up next too. Yeah, yeah, but Marvin Jones is on the Jags. And also real quick, uh, just because the chat, they really want us to mention this. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is re-signing with the Steelers. I guess Schefter just oh. broke that news. I had him in our remaining free agents. So yeah, he was rumored to be going to the Jets or linked to the Jets, but I guess they got these two guys and yeah, going to the Steelers. That's uh, not the most exciting move, Pete. I guess we could just talk about that. Juju to the, to the Steelers. Uh, oh yeah, Mims too, of course. How did, you forget like, Mims? How, how did I bring up Paraman before Mims? That's how you know Top Shot has broken my brain so much where I forget <laughs> the guy I played in DFS every single goddamn week. And Mims too, you know, now he's the game breaker in this offense. He's the guy who's going to get the deep balls and maybe things get opened up underneath. So it really depends who's going to be out there at QB. If it's going to be Darnold again, you know, your, your mileage may vary there, but the Jets are interesting. Like, I think they're interesting at least, and it's going to come down to coaching really and culture more than anything. Yeah. Did you see, I saw a tweet the other day where too, there was this thing where it was like, the, the media and like fans are way higher on Sam Darnold than actually any GMs or anyone inside the building. It was basically this thing where everyone's like, the, the evaluators are like, Sam Darnold sucks. Uh, <laughs> well. So it didn't, it didn't make me too excited thinking about that offense because Sam Darnold is that guy where it's like, I think because of his pedigree, we've all tricked ourselves into a little hopium. Like maybe he can get over the hump, but they have a team filled with wide receiver twos right now and like Crowder's fine and I'm excited about Mims he's explosive but I don't know if any of these guys are good enough to transcend mediocre quarterback play 
Yeah, Darnold's got to take a step forward. And I think that was something, honestly, I, I'm a USC alum. I talked, I try to support our guys coming out as much as possible, or at least root for them. And I think, you know, with Sam Darnold, the one thing that jumps out is he's been an inaccurate guy. He hasn't been great throwing deep balls. Really, all the things you look for, he hasn't been there. But if Tua can be good next year, I think Sam Darnold could be good in his third year, or his third year, fourth year, whatever it may be. Um, I'll give hope that the young guy can improve, but I don't have the highest hopes. If, I, if you're a Jets fan, you definitely want to see a veteran coming in or another draft pick coming in. So at least there's some way to go if Darnold is just outright bad again. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think that makes sense. And uh, yeah, I didn't have anything else on the the Juju stuff. I saw someone in the chat saying he's taking less money to stay with uh, Big Ben, which is definitely weird. I mean, Big Ben, I mean, I, I don't know. It feels like he has half a season left in him. Like, yeah. like, what does he have left? It was weird because like there was a rumor that the Bears reached out to his people too and tried to get him in the offseason and see, you know, if he was willing to leave. But then he decided to come back. And I guess there was a little more concern for the Steelers that he wasn't going to come back. And I don't know. It, it is odd with Ben. And it also kind of seems like I guess Juju has been the anti Antonio Brown where he has been a little more like oh, I love this team and whatever and been about it. But um, I guess it's a nice thing. Like I'll say it's a nice thing for him to want to be with Ben, even though uh, the Steelers never give anybody the best feel good vibes, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Ben is, he's fine, right? Like if he's healthy, yeah. you know, he's going to be able to produce, but it feels like he was way more trending in the Philip Rivers direction uh, than the Tom Brady direction last year. Yeah. And I would say too, not great for guys like our boy, Chase Claypool, of course, Splash Claypool is the guy, uh, one of the big play guys that I think really emerged last year and looked good. Deontay Johnson too. Like you'd like to see these guys be able to get a little more reliable work and Juju being in, I think uh, cramps that style, but good for them. If they got him for cheap, I get it. I get why you bring him back. Uh, we got another team here with the Jags, Marvin Jones and Carlos Hyde, the big acquisitions for Urban Meyer, who also uh, railed against free agency, finds it to be an unfair process and he wants to meet people face to face and classic Florida stuff by Urban yeah. Meyer here. But, Florida uh, man de demands to uh, to meet free agents face to face <laughs> during national pandemic. He wants to cough right in their face and see how they respond, <laughs> see how they handle it. A true judge of a man's character. But getting Marvin Jones, getting Carlos Hyde, I think these are fine moves and kind of I think will portend what to expect of Urban Meyer a guy who is going to try to err on the side of guys he knows players that he's been either his coaching staff has been involved with or he's been involved with and um, I think too it's not great for the young guys not great for DJ Chark not great for a certain LaVisca Chenault that Marvin Jones is in the mix now coming off of probably his his best year ever relative to uh, what the expectations were and no Kenny Galladay certainly changed that but Pete how do you feel here and I guess do you want to do you want to pour one out for LaVisca's second year bump that here. Marvin Jones is here? <laughs> Get out of here. On it, I will say this. All jokes aside, if uh, however many dusty years old Marvin Jones is, if he was a concern for LaVisca this year, then LaVisca isn't who we thought he was. So I think good players earn targets. Um, obviously, you can't like spin it as this is good news for LaVisca, but I think if LaVisca is on the trajectory, trajectory that his – college numbers indicated that what we saw in the field last year indicated, I think he's going to be fine. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be good for the offense because you just assume Marvin Jones is going to take the similar targets that Keelan Cole was having last year in their three wide. You'll still have uh DJ Chark out there as the alpha. And I think LaVisca will continue to be that Swiss army knife for them. Um, they don't really have a great pass catching back on the roster right now. 
And I think it'll be interesting to, again, see how they use Visca. I think they're going to use him in a lot of creative ways. Um, I guess if anything makes me upset uh, for Visca is that I wanted to see him use downfield more. And I think when you have Marvin Jones and DJ Chark, that might be less likely. Um, but you can also spin it as well. Either Marvin Jones or LaVisca is probably going to play the slot. And that's pretty exciting too. If, if you get more Visca in the slot, getting those kind of high percentage throws and then seeing what he can do after the catch. So no, I'm not down on Visca. I think it's all going to depend too on the offense here, where if Urban Meyer comes in and really wants to run the ball and does, you know, the kind of things that we know are not plus EV now because of all the advanced analytics that we have, then it's going to be bad for everybody. But I just think it's going to, it's not a good thing for Visca that you're having a guy who's probably a best case scenario, Keelan Cole, like he's now in there instead of Keelan Cole. So I think I would have just concerns about the lack of volume or just there not being enough volume to go around, but that's something we're not going to know until the game starts. So uh, I don't know, just my thought there would be, it's not great for Visca, but, but hopefully, hopefully that it can work out for you. Uh, and your your lovely LaVisca Chenault. Uh, we <laughs> shout out to Ryan Hans there. What the fuck is this? And where are the damn packs? I agree with the back half of this. Part. I, I wish I'd gotten a pack today. I should have done something like that with the SEO where I was like, we're talking packs. And then it's an asterisk. And I mean, the Packers. We're talking about the Packers. <laughs> signing Aaron Jones. Uh, yeah, sorry, Hodge. We have, we have a lot of people streaming in here wondering why this channel isn't talking about packs. I try to do a good job with the titles. Like one time on Lowell's, I think I mentioned Top Shot in the title and we didn't talk about it for 30 minutes and people were losing their goddamn minds. But the title here today says Free Agency NFL Bonanza with Chris Spag. So I don't know where anyone is getting this top shot uh, misleading from. They just knew that you had to touch on top shot <laughs> in the big moment here coming after a disappointing backdrop situation. Well, disappointing for us. I'm not disappointing for everybody out there. And, and shout out to the chosen few who got their, got their hookups. Um, we got the Raiders. Uh, they added Kenyon Drake, John Brown. They're also bringing back the Riddick. And the one thing that jumped out to me with the Raiders here is that, well, hey, nice to see John Brown get another shot. I think that's that's going to be good for him. And maybe he does uh, seal some of those Henry Ruggs looks downfield. Nelson Aguilar also going to leave a pretty big hole for the Raiders. But Kenyon Drake being in the mix doesn't give you the most hope for Josh Jacobs here. And Theo Riddick, too. Like, those are two guys who meaningfully could take passing routes away, can take touches away. And I feel like Josh Jacobs has to take a massive drop down if you're going to draft him in best ball or if you're you know, doing whatever early, early drafts you're going to be doing for fantasy. I think this is an absolute disaster for fantasy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they re-signed Theo Riddick. The Raiders have already shown a willingness to feature a pass back catching back. That isn't Josh Jacobs. Everyone last year wanted Josh Jacobs to be the bell cow. He is a really good rusher. Uh, but now you bring in Kenyon Drake who has so much overlapping skill sets with Josh Jacobs where Kenyon Drake, yes, he can catch balls. So can Josh Jacobs, but their coaches have never wanted to feature them in that role. So now you have them losing pass work to Theo Riddick and cannibalizing each other's touches, especially the goal line ones. Like this, this seems like an absolute disaster. I mean, where do you think they settle in fantasy drafts? To me, they feel like fifth, sixth round picks like Mark Ingram types from last year. I think Josh Jacobs will still go probably in the second, I would guess, just because of the name and the fact that he's been the bell cow the last few years and people won't want to count for the fact that Kenny Drake's going to be there. But yeah, I think in terms of if you're a sharper player, I agree, like fifth, sixth round. And then even then you're taking them in the hopes that the other back gets hurt and you then see a, a concentrated workload. But it's kind of a classic John Gruden signing here where it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like a logical thing. And the Raiders were better last year, so you maybe give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But And Josh Jacobs had that, you know, the one legal headache with his drive 
driving drunk or whatever. So maybe there's a little bit of a contingency planning there too, but I think it doesn't bode well for the future of Josh Jacobs either. Like if you're the guy, he's your guy you drafted and you've been building up. Why are you signing another running back? Who's going to cramp his style? I feel like that maybe doesn't bode well for his long-term future. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I had forgotten about the DUI thing. If this was kind of a hedge uh, for how they feel about him long-term, but yeah, this, this feels like a mess. It feels like two guys that the, uh, I call them the, uh, what do I call them? Can't even remember. Uh, I was saying, oh, I no, call the, them the, what do I call them? That's, no, that's on, call on them. ship chasing, we call them the FFPC, the boomers, the, the FFPC boomers, like the people who love running backs are going to talk themselves into, uh, but they're probably going to both get drafted overdrafted by two or three rounds. I, I just can't envision these guys being falling in drafts to the point where I'm like, damn, guess I got to take Josh Jacobs. I just don't see it happening. All right. The Bills signed Mitchell Trubisky as Josh Allen's backup, and they replaced John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders. And the Trubisky thing, I think, is just kind of funny that now he's John uh, Josh Allen's backup, and that's sort of his, his destiny now is to probably be a backup for the rest of his career with maybe occasional spot starts that remind people of what could have been. But I think the John Brown change to Emmanuel Sanders is actually a pretty good one for the Bills that's going to benefit really all these guys. Because John Brown kind of became a forgotten man, and now you'll have Emmanuel Sanders basically playing that Gabriel Davis role, doing um, maybe Gabriel Davis just is better them and they cut Emmanuel Sanders. But I think this really is what we talk about. One of the core themes concentrated, you know, passing routes really for guys like Stefan Diggs. Diggs is now the defined deep ball guy. Like Sanders is going to do that. Cole Beasley's not going to do that. Davis is going to do it a little, but, but not as much as John Brown did. So I think the bills are going to get better. They're a little more addition by subtraction for them. So I'm, I'm on board these, these signings other than the Mitch part, which is just silly. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a downgrade. I'm, I'm more excited about John Brown uh, going to Las Vegas, yeah. which Phil mentions there. I think Emmanuel Sanders, again, I'm I'm always, you know, I'm always down on these old guys. Uh, I think it's pretty exciting for Gabriel Davis kind of stepping in because both him and John Brown were kind of competing in those four wide receiver sets for those downfield targets. And he looked legitimately impressive uh, whenever he got chances. So the Emmanuel Sanders sighting, I think above all makes me more excited for Gabriel Davis than anything else. And I'm sure Sanders will do his usual thing where he has like one or two really useful blow up games uh, a year, but I don't see him being a big part of this offense. The Bears, Mitch Trubisky's former team, signed Andy Dalton. They're reportedly out of the Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. We have to talk. We have to make sure we save a little bit of time here for Deshaun Watson. That we're going to have to be careful about how we talk about his issues right now. Uh, but the Bears signing Andy Dalton, I, I feel like this move uh, last year for the Cowboys, and I, I am still uh, nominally a Cowboys fan, and, and I stick with them and pay enough attention. And, and I don't really feel the pain anymore of their mediocrity, but I really thought Garrett Gilbert was a better starter than Andy Dalton in his one start. I, as anybody who's watched flash play before uh, Ben DiNucci, I think might've been a better starter than Andy Dalton have given more of a chance and the bears. Now this is their big acquisition. And I feel like if you're a Chicago fan, you have to be used to the disappointment by now, but just more disappointment piling on where they actually thought they were going to get Russell Wilson. And now it's Andy Dalton instead. And I, I just feel bad for him, but not that bad. Hang on. I was blocking someone in the chat. Did I get a Ben DiNucci reference there? Did I miss that? <laughs> you did. You did get, I think that Ben DiNucci might've been better than Andy Dalton. And I think Garrett Gilbert was definitely better than Andy Dalton for the Cowboys. <laughs> that is part of Spags's uh, splash play contract is he does have to get one Ben DiNucci reference in an episode. So you will get paid for this episode. Um, yeah, I, I still, the whole Russell Wilson stuff and the, we were talking about it on ship chasing this week, the, the Pete Carroll relay, whatever's going on there is just so messed up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to get excited about Andy Dalton. He again, just feels like 
the rushing nesting doll of quarterbacks that Chicago has, where it's just they continue to get the exact same talent caliber of quarterback over and over, like a guy just good enough to not like tank the franchise and just enough talking yourself into, oh, maybe they could be okay, but Andy Dalton ain't it. If the defense is back to where it was a couple of years ago, maybe that's the way they get there. But they also released Kyle Fuller, so I don't know that that defense is going to get much better. Uh, these ones we could probably just soundbite on the way out to the uh, rest of the stuff we have to talk about. But the Rams tight end, Gerald Everett, goes to Seattle. Uh, that seems, honestly, to me, the big beneficiary here has got to be Tyler Higby of Matt Stafford at QB. Now one less tight end in there who's been basically the guys you know, squeezing each other over the last couple of years. Um, I don't know how great Everett's going to be in Seattle because they don't use a tight end a bunch there. And you have Tyler Lockett, you have DK Metcalf, but um, Gerald Everett, to me, I think just going to open up Tyler Higby in a way that's interesting. Yeah, I'm excited, uh, honestly, for both Higby and Everett, because I think most people in the fantasy community agree that both of them are really talented guys. They were just kind of cannibalizing each other from a fantasy standpoint. Now Higby, I, I imagine he's going to settle in as a top six, top seven tight end. I mean, people were drafting him as a top 10 tight end last year, even with Everett there, just based on how fast his finish was two seasons ago. And then in Seattle for Everett, I mean, all those tight ends with all due respect to my guy, you know, Hollister and Disley and all these guys, I mean, they're catch and fall down specialists and Everett's in a legitimately athletic dude. Like you said, Russell Wilson doesn't seem to feature the tight end a ton, but I think it has to be a better spot for Everett than competing with Higby for targets in LA is. Yeah, they also lost David Moore too, so maybe some more targets open up there for a guy like Everett. Uh, the Cardinals signing AJ Green, I think the one thing this portends is maybe Larry Fitzgerald not coming back, and then also Christian Kirk probably moving into the slot more, but um, I don't know what AJ Green has in him. I don't mind taking some stabs there draft-wise, and maybe Kyler Murray can open it up for him, but Kyler Murray you know, spreads the ball around, runs the ball a lot, I don't think the signing matters that much other than Christian Kirk probably moving back inside. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, the AJ green one is weird. Uh, I, I still don't know what's happening with, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I honestly think I will boycott the Cardinals if they're rolling out Larry Fitz and AJ green and four wide receiver sets this year. Like I can't do it. I absolutely can't. You're biased against old men who've, who've paved the way for shows like this and, and players paved in the league. Paved the way over. for shows like this? <laughs> Please explain yourself, sir. We wouldn't have splash play if AJ Green didn't catch deep balls 10 years ago. And now here you are spitting in his face when he finally gets another shot to be, be relevant for a team that's on the rise. It is so funny you say that because AJ Green, do you remember what, what year was he a rookie? Do you? It's got to be 2010, 2011. Yeah, because I want to say it was one of the second or third years I was like regularly playing fantasy football. 2011. Uh, okay, yeah. And I remember his first game as a rookie. Even then I had conditioned in my head, okay, these rookies don't do much. And he came in, he caught like a 55-yard bomb uh, from Andy Dalton in his rookie game. And I was like, holy shit, this guy is exciting. It was because him and Julio Jones came into the league that year. Um, and it's just so weird now to go back from used to thinking of him as this exciting, explosive young guy. I guess I'm what I'm saying is we're, we've gotten old.
We're really <laughs> we, old now. We have in Colin M. Shout out to this chat. If you're going to make fun of old players, I guess this is the way to do it. Those Arizona shuffleboard games are going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, they have they have young players too. That's what you want in a locker room. You want a mix of vets. You could tell the young guys how to be, and then the young players on the rise. But I like the signing of AJ Green, and even though he may not be the most fantasy useful, uh, the Colts re-signed Marlon Mack for a one-year, two million dollar deal. Uh, this one to me, Pete, feels like one where they re-sign him, and then maybe he gets hurt again in training camp, or like you know. It's sad to sort of predict that, but or just gets released because what do you need him back in there for when you have Jonathan Taylor now established? You have Naheem Hines showing a bunch. It's just stupid move, and the Colts have done nothing besides this move, so it's even more infuriating. Yeah, I mean, you can't put the genie back in the bottle with Jonathan Taylor at this point. And like you said, I'm still high on Naheem Hines. I think he's really good. Uh, to me, Marlon Mack seems like a guy who's going to get five to six touches a game. They still want to be run focused. And, you know, when Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, gets his 20 plus touches and they need to spell him or when they're winning a game and they need someone to come in and salt clock in the fourth quarter. Sure. Marlon Mack. But you he's not in a committee with Jonathan Taylor anymore that those days are over. And the Titans lost Jonu Smith, but they're bringing back Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swaim. And this is one where if they don't draft a tight end, I have to assume they will. Or if they don't pick up somebody off the scrap heap, uh, maybe a Darren Fells type or something. But I think this is actually really good news for Anthony Ferkser, a guy who's been actually pretty productive per route over the years. And uh, not having Jonu in there, who was really a kind of a quiet target monster for the Titans, at least relative to how much they throw. I think this is really good news for Ferkser if this is how the tight end room looks. So I just wanted to bring it up. I know, again, not an, not a sexy one, not one that's going to get a lot of headlines, but quietly for fantasy, like this is a tight end value, I think, in a really potentially major way. Yeah, I, it's it's really interesting because if we were playing DFS and we were in the middle of the season right now and this situation shook out, you'd be you'd be so hyped on Ferkser because he'd oh, be yeah. projecting for like nine or 10 targets because, I mean, it's, it's literally Babson as their wide receiver too right now. Like they have to... I don't know what they're going to do in the draft. I don't know what their draft capital is. They have to get in some more talent because they are really devoid losing both Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. So yes, if things hold, Ferkser, I think, is going to be um, very solid, but he feels also fragile to me as far as other types of guys coming in. Now, I don't know how they're going to do that, um, but he also seems like a guy who could go from a 10-target projection back to a four-target projection pretty quickly. Yeah, if they signed an Antonio Brown type or somebody who's just can be a target monster as a wide receiver too, I think the equation has changed. But yeah, you're right. I forgot about the Corey Davis part too, but just losing John New at least is going to be big for them. And then if there isn't a, a big name wide receiver two coming in or you know high draft capital wide receiver two coming in, uh, definitely some opportunity left behind. The Giants signed John Ross. Uh, I think it's just noteworthy because he's so fast and he never did anything with the Bengals really other than a couple week run in DFS that was fairly impressive. And now he's going to the Giants who don't seem to want to sign Kenny Galladay, even though Kenny Galladay's from Jersey and wants to be back there. But Pete, any thoughts on John Ross here going to the Giants? Um, you know, it, I think the thing that kills me is uh, I'm pretty sure I picked Darius Slayton in basically every one of our uh, splash play ride or die sessions this year. And John Ross is going to make that maybe a, even a little more difficult to do since I imagine they'll be running some similar routes. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do uh, a ton for me. I feel like we kind of had the, all right, John Ross, high pedigreed, what, what top 10 draft pick super fast was injured. And then we saw him healthy uh, even with Burrow some last year, and we just never got there. So I'm having a hard time getting excited about him with Daniel Jones. He's more the guy where it's like, 
oh, he he lands with Brady or Herbert or someone. And you're like, okay, now I can see the potential getting unlocked. I I don't see it happening with uh, with Daniel Jones. And a couple quick ones here. Chiefs releasing Damian Williams. They also rebuilt their offensive line and uh, lost a couple guys, gained a couple guys there. We don't I don't want to dig too deep on the weeds in that because otherwise we'd be doing a seven-hour show. But uh, Damian Williams being gone, obviously going to basically mean that we see the Chiefs backfield from last year. And maybe Damian Williams lands somewhere else as a, a cheap play for somebody to pick up. But um, any thoughts at all on how this affects things? No, no, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's disappointing too. It's kind of like one of those um butterfly effect things where it's if he doesn't opt out for the season do they end up drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire does he have another big season all of that stuff um did, wait I might getting my timeline they drafted CEH before he opted out think, or did I they know they did. I think they drafted okay. him before yeah because the opt-out I feel like the opt-out period is right after that um but, but yeah they I mean, might have known they might have yeah. known um, but yeah, I, he, man, the, I'll always remember that run he had and where he almost won Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he was really good. Like mm-hmm. if you give me, it's weird to say, and I don't know if this is a hot take and I know he's gotten older, but like peak Damian Williams versus what we saw from CEH last year, give me Damian Williams. I mean, so I, it'll be curious. I, I would like to see him have kind of another um, renaissance, but I don't know if uh, outside of the chief system is where it's going to happen. Watch him go to Green Bay to be <laughs> new Jamal Williams and completely ruin that backfield again. But um, yeah, Damian Williams, definitely a, a sneaky free agent that could be out there for somebody. Uh, this one, the Saints and J- uh, going to have Jameis and Taysom Hill compete for the starting job. I don't I, I feel like we've talked about this one before. I would start Jameis. I won't be surprised whatever they do. But any quick thoughts on it? Uh, no, except just th- these I'm, I don't know why I'm letting this get to me, Chris, but the people in the chat are tilting me so hard right now. Why talk NFL now? This Read the title. I did not mislead you. There are a million Top Shot podcasts. There are a million NBA podcasts. Spags, do you want to plug? Is there Osmo uh, uh, NBA shows today? Yeah, I have an NBA show coming up. The tip-off show I'll be doing for Osmo in an hour, two and a half hours, I guess. So Two yeah. and a half hours. Go over to Osmo, watch Spags. Talk about NBA DFS. We are doing an NFL free agents show. I haven't talked NFL for like a literally two months or, or 10 years in top shot time. Go away. Go away. This is how I grow my audience. Go away. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you're doing a little bit of everything. You, they get their Top Shot content. They get whatever else you're doing. They get the Lulz show. They get, like, NFL is relevant. You got to, if you know this stuff now, you'll be better prepared, uh, better prepared in August. That's really the way that I view it. And honestly, I'm ready to go into next season, uh, every chamber loaded. But yeah, like, it's not, it's just a fun hour show. <laughs> I, the thing is, I think is someone, I feel like it's this guy has created a bunch of accounts uh, cause it's like all the same one. I'm putting you in a timeout. I don't know. Top or uh Streamyard has a function called a timeout. I don't even know what it does, but I'm putting you in timeouts. You're going in timeouts, go <laughs> in the dude. corner and think about what you've said. Also, this guy's saying, dude, you should know Pete by now. He loves talking worthless <laughs> info. I'm out of here. But if you know him by now, and, and I feel like Pete, part of your charm is your worthless info. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, <laughs> I literally at the top of the show said, I'm a dilettante that doesn't know a lot about one specific subject. Anyone wants to come at me in the chat, you get a timeout. You get to go sit in the corner, no TV, no phones, and you just get to sit with yourself and your stupid thoughts.
Honestly, I enjoy talking NFL because it's like NBA is consuming my life now for every hour of the day. And uh, just being able to talk about NFL and be like, oh, I wonder how this is going to go and not be able to know for six months. Like that's kind of this is like the foreplay of the NFL season. It just goes on for four months and then you get you know, little surges here and there. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Smudger40K, for appreciating this and all uh, <laughs> all of our, our diehards and regulars here. Um Anyways. The Saints, anyway, we, we can talk more Saints at another time. Houston, though, this is the transition to our Deshaun Watson talk, and then we're going to just burn through and talk very, very quickly about the remaining free agents. But Houston signs Tyrod Taylor, portending perhaps the Deshaun Watson situation that we need to talk about. But Tyrod Taylor being in the mix, Pete, I, we saw him get screwed pretty bad in that Charger situation, got an injection to this rib cage that ended up knocking him out because really just incompetency by the medical team, I guess. And now he's in Houston. Seems like maybe he'll start. Houston is a disastrous team. But honestly, Tyrod could be useful in fantasy. So I feel like if Deshaun's out, I don't mind picking up Tyrod. Yeah, it seems like it seems like a good signing, right? Because it's a nice hedge. If something happens with Watson, I, I didn't even read into it. Here we go. Peter doesn't know a lot about anything, but with these sexual assault allegations, like who knows how that stuff plays out with the Sean Watson that's on top of him already wanting out. So getting a guy like Tyrod, um, similar to what the chargers have done. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, we landed on Herbert by, by Tyrod. But I think for Houston, it makes a ton of sense. Obviously, something bad has happened if Tyrod Taylor is starting lots of games for them, but it actually keeps them watchable. I don't even know who, who was the backup quarterback on the roster before Tyrod. I mean, it could have gotten bad fast. Was it, uh, was it still Brock as the backup? I don't even know. Or AJ McCarron. <laughs> Who's the Texans backup. That's why you come into this stream where we talk about uh, not only do we not talk about what you want us to talk about, we don't even know a lot about what we are trying to talk <laughs> okay. about. It, it was AJ McCarron, I think. Okay. And then they also signed Josh McCown in 2020 at some point, which I didn't recall <laughs> at all. But all right. Um, either way, not the most relevant backup QB situation for the Texans. And it's funny because I am definitely a guy who loves a good backup QB. And that really like my brain froze and I couldn't think at all of who it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. The point right. is, is Tyrod Taylor is uh, one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. You can at least win some games, be competent, be watchable. Um, and I think it makes sense for them to protect themselves from what looks like a Deshaun Watson impending kind of blow up situation. So, and then we have to be careful about how we talk about this. Cause we have to talk about the Deshaun Watson thing a little bit. And I think one thing that I thought initially, and this is just me being an idiot as I always am, which, you know, you can look at you can Google me, you can find a, a torrid history of me being an idiot in various locations, but I feel like with this one, initially, I was like, oh, is this something weird where Deshaun is going to have like one fake lawsuit and it's going to be part of the way he tries to get his way out of town because of, you know, this is what James Harden did something similar where it's like, yeah, I'm going to break COVID protocols and just be appear to be like a bad guy just so they'll get rid of me. And then more and more came in. And this statement today from his agent came out. Uh, David Muggeletta or Mulligan, excuse me, is the guy's name. He said, sexual assault is real. Victims should be heard. Offenders prosecuted. Individuals fabricate stories in pursuit of financial gain. Often their victims should also be heard. And those offenders also prosecuted. I simply hope we keep the same energy with the truth. Um, I, it doesn't sound like a guy who's going to back down here and does seem maybe like there's some frivolity to the lawsuits, but uh, just a weird situation, Pete, especially the timing of it. Like it, I don't know that it makes the most sense. And I, I'm not a massage guy. I'm not a rub and tug guy. I don't know the process. I do know people out there seem to enjoy it. Um, I also put in our run sheet. Maybe this is a sign the Patriots are going to get them, but I don't know overall about what to expect with this situation because, um, it's not a great one. Yeah. I, I don't even, uh, I don't even want to make jokes about it or try to touch on it. Like you said, uh, 
uh, sexual assault is uh, a very serious issue. I have no idea what he did and didn't do. Um, I understand that some people think the timing of these allegations is convenient um, in relation to his current kind of situation with the Texans. But uh, yeah, I, uh, no comment. It was like you were reading a statement from your publicist there. Like, yeah. Pete, Pete, what do you have to say? And you're like, well, here's her. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, back to NBA Top Shot. Uh. <laughs> And uh, who's left in free agency? Kenny Galladay. He reportedly wanted to go to the Giants. The Ravens want him. Any guesses to where he goes? Wait, I thought, did he, did he, was he another guy that resigned today? I, I don't think so, unless it happened. Okay. I thought I saw some tweets uh, referencing that. Three, oh, this was a Schefter report. Here's a twist to the free agent. The Ravens have reached out to Kenny yeah. Galladay's agent to inquire about, uh, about him. So, man. That would be interesting. Um, I still think from a fantasy standpoint, that's actually a really interesting one. W assuming health for Kenny Galladay and his, um, his uh, what was the the dance, the hips, <laughs> the Brazilian <laughs> dance he got? Oh, uh, the, uh, the Suda de Bunda. Suda de Bunda. Uh, <laughs> where do you think he has a better fantasy season assuming health? Uh, the Alpha with Stafford or with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? Wait, so are you saying he would go to the Rams? Sorry, now I'm all over oh, the place. Okay. <laughs> Goff? Like, Goff? Yeah, I would like him to go to the Rams. Yeah, with with Goff, I mean, I I, I wouldn't want to be paired with Jared Goff if I were him, I, I think. And uh, But with Lamar, we've seen with Marquise Brown, it's not like he's going to get the ball a lot. He has, uh, they, they haven't signed Willie Steed yet, so maybe he can pick up those four targets a game. I, I He needs a better option than really any of these. I don't know what else is out there, but I, I don't like the Ravens for him. I don't like the Lions for him. I don't, I don't really like the Giants for him because they don't they don't want to throw the ball deep either. We saw that last year with Slayton. So I, I think Eddie Galladay is one of those guys who just might have been a bad situation, but hopefully getting paid for it. Yeah, it's probably one of those classic situations. With Goff, he'd get more targets, more opportunities. With the Ravens, much more efficient offense, probably more touchdowns. Um, I don't know. I say shake it up. Uh, I, the Lions are such a... Uh, a frustrating team to root for from a fantasy perspective uh, that I wouldn't mind seeing him walk and, and go somewhere else. Uh, Juju back to the Steelers. We talked about that. Chris Carson's still out there. He's been linked to the Pats and the Dolphins. And um, Pats seems like a bad one. They have Damian Harris there. I'd rather see them take a flyer on a Damian Williams if they're not going to bring back James White. But uh, the Dolphins maybe make some degree of sense as an upgrade to some of the guys they had in the mix. But we saw enough from Miles Gaskin and um, and even uh, Salmon, whatever his last name was. <laughs> so, honestly, I've already forgotten that guy. But boy, he was good for a few weeks last year. I mean, of course, Patrick Laird and, and Malcolm Brown. I don't know. But where Chris Carson, does he have a home for you? I feel like this is the last one we could talk about. And I'll just burn through the names that are out there. Yeah, I, I did see that rumor. Um, it would really start to stress test my uh, this doesn't affect Patrick Laird situation. Uh, <laughs> even though Chris Carson doesn't really catch passes that much. I guess he started to last year. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Like, Chris Carson's fine, right? Like, he's good. Is he? I mean, Miles Gaskin, though, was really good, too. I don't think Chris Carson is in that Aaron Jones, like, transcends the running backs don't matter territory so i don't know it, it seems like an unnecessary move and what we continued to praise the dolphins for last year was allocating their draft capital in their money and salary cap on the really important stuff the defense the offensive line um so if they spend a lot of money to get chris carson that seems kind of um antithetical to what they've been trying to do um but i i get it like he would probably be a slight upgrade over gaskin but i don't think it's worth paying him a lot of money for 
I agree. Like, I think if you're a contender, Carson makes some degree of sense. Like if I were the Jets, I'd consider bringing in Carson, but um, he, not somebody they've been linked to yet, but I don't know. Uh, other remaining names, James Connor, maybe going back to the Steelers, unclear Antonio Brown. Nobody's talked about him at all yet. So maybe back to the bucks, T Y Hilton and Pete, if any of these names uh, really speak to you, feel free to chime in uh, T Y Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Philip Lindsay's not going back to the Broncos, Duke Johnson, James White, Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> Pete, I'm sure you love Le'Veon Bell this year, Adam Humphreys, Danny Amendola, Larry Fitzgerald, Josh Reynolds, Deshaun Jackson, and Alshon Jeffrey, Kenny Stills, Willie Sneed, Dee Westbrook. These are the names out there. Any of those do anything for you emotionally or spiritually? My publicist has uh, actually uh, suggested <laughs> that I say no comment uh, to this batch of free agents. He said, if you don't have anything nice to say about them, don't say anything at all. Uh, Willis and, and Eric, two of our, our beloved regulars here for both Splash Play and Pete's content. Uh, Spags of the Filter is different. And Willis saying, agreed, Eric. Can't believe he didn't say anything to get the show canceled. Boy, if you wanted to see me tightrope walk with that <laughs> Deshaun Watson one, that's one where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you got to you gotta really watch what you say. But I'm not going to do a bad thing for Pete on the first show in his channel. I can't get Pete's channel canceled. He is, you have members and shit, Pete. I don't <laughs> well, the thing is, is I've done... Uh, we started simulcasting lulls here, you know, within the past, uh, three or four months too. And I'm always walking that tightrope walk with Brian, uh, as well. So I've, I've had some practice taming, you know, my, my wild co-hosts on my stream to make sure this, this YouTube channel doesn't get canceled. Although I might want to cancel it after all this, uh, demand for NBA content. I can't, I'm surprised. I didn't know you did actual NBA content. I feel I like don't. top shots. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to cancel you Spags. The, I, the, so irony, going the, on. the irony being Spags is literally doing an NBA DFS stream here later this afternoon. And I'm doing a top shot stream tonight on the channel. I haven't got the event up, but everyone's going to get what they want. Just wait <laughs> fucking four hours. Like people, the NBA can't wait, Pete, but I feel like we've covered everything. So uh, we're going to, what we're going to do is Pete and I are going to talk over text, check our Twitter feeds uh, at Peter Rovers at, at Chris Bax, at Splash Play Pod. Make sure you're following that because that's where all of the, the show news comes through and uh, the latest episodes and all of that stuff. And we'll tweet out that poll and see what people want to do. I think we have uh, some decent options. We do have the playmakers watching option. We have the drunk fantasy football option. We have, I also bought for this Pete because I thought we we're going to do the mock draft thing before the timing didn't work. I I have 32 tiny NFL helmets too, which I don't know. What, is that a show? <laughs> show Wait, the mini I helmets I got from Amazon. <laughs> I kind of really like that. It's funny you say that because I have, I believe I have 32 uh, little pennants for each oh. NFL team. Maybe there's something there. We need to collaborate on that. <laughs> we need, yeah, there's a really great bit with our 32 <laughs> mini novelty things that anybody could get for $30. Uh, Pete, what are the final plugs here? This is your channel as well as ours. So uh, make sure you get them out. Um, I'm just continuing to put, I believe the same guy in timeout as he logs into his 19 burner YouTube, YouTube accounts and he knows how to tilt me. He's, he, he successfully did it. Congratulations. Um, no, we are going to do a club top shot tonight, uh, 9 PM Eastern. I haven't, uh, put stuff up. We're still finalizing guests and all that, but if you want your top shot content, 9 PM Eastern tonight, and if you want your NBA DFS content, What's the, what's the, uh, the deets again? Yeah. Go watch Osmo coming up at, I believe it's, uh, I don't even know one, one Pacific time, four thirty Eastern time. Uh, the tip off show is basically us doing an ESPN style show, except that I'll be hosting and trying to not get canceled on that too. <laughs> 
Uh, so <laughs> that'll be fun. But yeah, NBA DFS live in these streets and, and check Pete out later. And of course, subscribe to Splash Play, subscribe to Peach Channel and give us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts on there. Make sure to go check out that podcast feed. Actually, if you miss any of the episodes, they always come through on there. And that's it for me. So Pete, the floor yeah. is yours. Yeah, no, and just... To, uh, again, if you're watching this for the first time, uh, Spags and I started this podcast last September, uh, yep. right around when the football season would start. We do have the Splash Play YouTube channel where we normally do all of the apps. I have the link down below. It's the first link to subscribe to there. Um, we'll probably do some simulcasting uh, to this channel, but please do go subscribe to that. You can get the iTunes, check out some of the old stuff. And the thing Spags and I are going to do, we're going to get on a more regular schedule. We've been a little bit all over the place. Um, I know some of the things like the drinking show might have to be flexed, but um, we'll get on a regular schedule <laughs> and we'll keep you guys posted. And uh, Spags, can I get you in the the Deposit King Discord too? We yeah, need to get a Splash J channel. I yeah. would love to get in there. Also, Iceman LB saying, can we talk some NFL tonight? Boy, the... <laughs> <laughs> sometimes your audience cuts through just the perfect troll in a way that befits your your legacy pete i'm proud of them yes they know uh they know they get it um they they are in a the deposit kingdom discord is a bit factory we're pumping out bits and then they all become better at bits too it's a great thing Hey, I'm excited to be a part of it. But yeah, uh, we'll be back soon then. And keep your eyes peeled because I think we may, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to do an early week show next week, but we'll be doing a show next week at some point. So stay tuned. We'll see you guys again soon. Bye. Peace.